Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. I tell you, it's funny. Thursdays are great. You know, um, I, I wait all week for Thursday nights, and it, it, they seem to got, go by so fast. Um, I got to talk baseball at 8 o'clock. Um, you are officially on the clock with OA, the other angle. Um RC, what's up, brother? How you doing? Hey, I'm good, brother. I'm uh, we both uh, double dip on uh, Thursday nights. I've already talked for about two and a half hours, but I'm ready to go for another hour and a half. Friday, I don't have a show. Thank, uh, thank the good Lord, I let the voice rest on Friday. The UFC, you're not doing the UFC this. Is it this week? Yeah, there, uh, there is no UFC this week. So Friday yeah. night. So Friday, uh, and you know, you do enough of it too. Oh yeah. The voice will get a little rusty on you yeah. after a few days. So yeah, I've done a lot the last two weeks, and uh, probably going to shut it down and just scream at my kid the rest of the weekend. <laughs> Got to keep practice, right? Uh, that's it. So, so let's let's jump right into it. You know, this show's great because we can kind of talk about whatever and go whatever direction we want. Um, a couple big things happened uh, these past couple days. I know we keep saying every week we want to try and get away from football, right? Um, but but there was a pretty big trade um, today, and Dude. there was some. You know, I, I got to tell you, Randall. Before we get into the lunch train, you know how I felt about Ben Roethlisberger and his his future with the Steelers up to this point, right? Right. You know, it was pretty secure in the fact that he was going to be back. Right. What I heard yesterday from from Kevin Colbert has me feeling the exact opposite, brother. Did you hear that interview or that? Blurb? I did. I did not. I've read a little bit of it. I have not really heard the texture of it, but the tone to me sounded like uh, there's a real possibility that that Ben could be gone from uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah, which is it, shocking to me. Well, I, I mean, it's one of those things where, and, and you know, um, I, I did my commemorative jersey tonight, so um, I, I, for me, I've all but. Um, I consider him gone, and, and you know it's it's not from a from a perspective of, you know, of course they have salary cap problems. They've got you know they're trying to uh, keep a pretty young core intact, yeah. um, and, and and they're having to make some really tough decisions. So you know when it comes down to it, just based off of what Colbert said yesterday, as of right now, to me that means he's gone. Yeah, and it could be happening as soon as this week, Randall. I, I mean. Here's the thing. With the Wentz trade, that signifies something big to me. There's two quarterbacks left that you can acquire. Mitchell Trubisky and Sam Darnold. Right. So if you're the Steelers and you're not intent on taking Ben Roethlisberger into the 2021 season, they don't really have the t- kind of draft capital that they can move up and get a Mac Jones type quarterback. You better not hesitate at this point. No, if you get a if you get a chance at one of those two guys, uh, you've got to take it. And and the thing about it, I think for the Steelers, one thing, uh, the Wentz trade does set a little bit of a lower bar. Absolutely. For the equity that it takes to pick up that quarterback, yeah, I, I am convinced, and I've been convinced, the Rams overpaid for Stafford, who I think no doubt about it will be an All-Pro quarterback. Absolutely, uh, 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 not maybe the first team, but he'll be one of those 
Pro Bowl type quarterbacks. He'll be in the running. Yeah, and um, you know, uh, Wentz. Uh, set, to me, Wentz is a better quarterback age wise than Stafford. And if you're the Colts and you just got a franchise quarterback for a second, I think it was the third this year, right? And a conditional first or second. So right. you you want it to cost you a third and a first, right? That that's a little clearer market, and I think that's a market maybe the Steelers. I mean, I, in the I, I, yeah, I, and I could see the Steelers paying that. The three number ones was just too much for me. Yes. So my question to you, is Sam Darnold more or less than Carson Wentz? In my opinion, he's less, less. Okay. Uh, but I, I think, in my opinion also, I think Sam Darnold has more of an upside than Carson Wentz. Yes. Um. I know what Carson Wentz is, and I think he can be a pretty good football player. Especially we, in offense. Yeah, yeah, he's got everything he needs to succeed in Indy. And that offense better fits him better than the RO, the re-option pass that Philly wanted to do. Uh, I think of Wentz as being a more of a, a pure pocket quarterback, and I think that offense, he'll succeed in it. I still think Darnold has – Top five, uh, let me scratch it. Top ten potential year. I think you're accurate. I'm with you. I think he's top. He's been given a bad rap. Yes. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead, finish. No, but I mean, if you can get Darnold right now, it's kind of like the old thing. I, I'm I'm doing a lot of Bitcoin buying and selling lately. So uh, Darnold is the off-brand Bitcoin that you hope that's going to go up to $50,000. To me, the Rams already paid $50,000 yeah. for Matthew Stafford. So I would, uh, I would, I think Darnold was be a very viable option. Um, I don't know if they have enough capital. To, uh, I know the Falcons are looking for a trade partner, but you're talking about the Steelers moving up like 16 spots. Yeah, that's, that's an right. expensive, expensive move. Even even if QB four drops to say, I, so I, I look. That's what I did today. Is I just looked at mock drafts. So even if that fourth QB drops to pick nineteen, them moving up whatever it is, six or seven or eight picks to get that, it's going to be tough for them. It's it's going to be it's going to be uh, because there's plenty of dance partners like uh, the Falcons there at four. I think they could probably only move maybe to eight and get a dance partner and probably come out with a second and a first right. for it. Uh, the Falcons <laughs> moved, I think it was 16 or 17 spots for Julio. Uh, and it was a King's ransom. Yes. I mean, it was four picks and two number ones. Yeah. That's a lot of draft capital. The further you move up, the more you're going to pay. Absolutely. So, so you're saying – you value, you think value wise, draft capital wise, that Darnold is going to cost less than Wentz, but has yes. the potential to be more. Yes, I, I, <coughs> I really believe that Darnold has been Sam G- or Adam Gase, mm-hmm. and we've kind of had this talk mm-hmm. offline. You know, uh, Ryan Tannehill is a very good, and I'm not a Titans fan. I'm here, <coughs> I see him every week. Ryan Tannehill is a very, very good professional. And that's the term I would use with Ryan Tannehill. 
He is a professional quarterback. Um, and, you know, under Adam Gase, he looked horrible. Yeah. He was washed up. I, I mean, the, the Titans got him off the scrap heap. So, um, Darnold is, what, 26, 27 years old, 25? Yeah, maybe I think twenty five. I don't. I would think he's young. He's yeah. young because he was he was the youngest QB coming out of that class. Yeah, I mean, uh, um, I, I still got hope for Donald. I've said it all along. Okay, so I, I'm with you. I, I'm totally with you. But I'm I'm just I'm trying to iron this out. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm looking up Donald's age. Donald is twenty. Flip. 20, that's not right. 23 years old? 23 years old, yeah. That's incredible. That's crazy. He is Do a you year think, He's a rookie. Joe Burrow. Yeah, he's a rookie. He's he, just a rookie that's played in the NFL for three years. Yeah. All right. So so we're both in on Sam Darnold, and yes. especially at that price point. How about the other guy? Mitchell Trubisky. Oof. Um, Trubisky, I believe, has had a better offense to play in and has underperformed. Um, Trubisky, uh, Trubisky, to me, I have serious concerns about his NFL ability to read defense. In college, he was Mitchell Trubisky. He could throw the ball. He could. You know, a lot of times two reads is all he needed. I've seen Mitchell Trubisky struggle when he's had complicated defenses. So I have some I have more I have more concern about Trubisky because I feel like I got a fuller picture of Trubisky. Well, I still feel like we don't have a picture of Darnold at all. And 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 if the Jets are moving, if Jeff if the Jets are drafting a quarterback, which I've heard yes and no. Um, I don't know why you wasn't there. Uh, I think they're they're probably in the move uh, the 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 market to move. Uh, Trubisky, you know, he's got all the talent in the world, but uh, I just think he's had a better surrounding and done less with it than Darnold. I I I gotta tell you. So first off. I'm on, I'm on football reference, and I don't know if you've ever really delved into that. They kind of put weird stuff on that on there sometime. Um, did you know Mitchell Trubisky's nickname, according to pro football reference, is Mr. Biscuit? No. <laughs> I don't know if that's like Wikipedia. I don't think it is. I think they control who puts that's that on hilarious. <laughs> so, That's hilarious. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm with you. I mean, I, I think uh, Trubisky is definitely um, not the player that Dar- – not the potential that Darnold is, right? Um, he'll yeah. never live up to, to being um, ch- chosen above um, Pat Mahomes. This is something we can pretty much guarantee, right? Yeah, and, and Trubisky – Truly, only had one great year at North Carolina. Right, it's not like right. Trubisky had a. Pat Mahomes did it over multiple years at Texas right. Tech. Right, uh, Trubisky had a great year at North Carolina, and basically parlayed that into the first overall pick. So, here's my take on Trubisky. If Trubisky can find an offense. 
suited to him. I look, I look at him like Josh Allen. In a way, don't hear me out. Yeah. I'm not saying he's the same caliber of player. He's not. But if you get him in a system that lets him – remember, he's a good runner. Yeah. If you can get him outside of the pocket and you can let him make reads, run past reads, he can be explosive and dynamic. What you need – what Mitchell Trubisky needs to find is an offensive system that's going to let him be that Lamar Jackson type player. I got a perfect fit. You want to hear it? Yeah. San Francisco. Uh, hey, Kyle Shanahan is an offensive genius. I mean, I got five years, four years of up close seeing him every year. Yeah, you give – he's the one guy that you give a quarterback – and let's let's face it, he got an MVP year out of Matt Ryan. And there's yeah. nothing against Matt Ryan. I love Matt Ryan. Probably the greatest quarterback in the Falcons franchise. Uh, and I know that makes the Michael Vick fans mad. Right. It's not even a comparison. Right. Um, but I mean he's not a he's not Pure statistics wise you're talking. Yeah, I mean Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the popularity of Michael Vick in Atlanta is right. is on a level that no one can understand. Right. Um and, and two, Vick. Vic, Vic was um, a different kind of quarterback. You know, he was Vic, new. It was, not, it was it was it was shiny, right? It was right. something that we hadn't seen yet. Well, and barring uh, right, Lamar Jackson now. Um, but you know, Matt Ryan. Well, I was, I was, I was, sorry, sorry, I was talking like Randall Cunningham. That's what I was oh, talking. I was okay. back, right? They, people uh, hadn't seen what Vic yes, had done. Yeah. Well, and Matt Ryan is one MVP, the only one in Atlanta history. Took the team to the Super Bowl, up 28-3. He accomplished more than Vic, I guess is my point. Right. Um, and he did that mainly under Shanahan. I mean, he right. was a different quarterback. Um, so, yeah, I, I I think you could give – you could tell me – and I don't know why Garoppolo don't work there. I really can't tell you. But uh, he don't. Absolutely does not. And uh, maybe, maybe he is the one place – that Trubisky could go, that it yeah. it fits. Yeah, yeah. So, so here, here's spitball. Garoppolo goes back to New England. Trubisky goes to San Francisco. Darnold comes to Pittsburgh. And Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, whoever he wants, they want goes to yeah, New York. Absolutely, you, you basically get anyone you want, not named Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. There's a lot of talent in this draft at the quarterback position. Yes, yes, even into the second round. You 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 have you have a new coach, an ownership that's newly involved, right? Right. Um, you would think they want to start fresh and build their own cake, if you will. Right. And you know, and you know, Ben was part of that legendary draft too. I mean, I think that draft uh, is underrated. Uh, totally. You know, Ro- Roethlisberger, Rivers, and Eli. Yeah. Um, and, and Matt Schaub, who was a very serviceable quarterback for many years in the NFL. Uh, that's kind of – it tears at my heart to see that class moving on. And 
I really thought Eli. I really thought Eli was done when he was done. I think Philip Rivers is done now. I kind of feel like Ben still got another yeah. year or two. I know if they can work out a deal, uh, but it doesn't sound like it's very promising. I would be at this point. I would be shocked. I would be absolutely shocked. I just the Steelers don't operate like that. You're in or you're out. It's purely a, dis- a business decision, um, and you know they're just—they're not in the business of thirty-eight-year quarterbacks. And, and and I read an article today: if cut, would Ben play again? And that's the—that's the heartbreaker. That's the part that's hard to swallow for me as a lifelong Steeler fan. Seeing him in another uniform is heartbreaking. I, I'm going to pitch one at you that would fit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw to you what happened in Tampa versus what happens in Las Vegas. You move Ben Roethlisberger to Las Vegas. How legit does that team become overnight? <clears throat> well, I tell you, it's funny. Um, so I, I was wanting to talk about Juju, right? And they're talking about him going to, to Las Vegas. Um, that changes things, right? That may, I, I, I'll tell you, I can't, I haven't even like put any thought into seven playing anywhere else. Yeah, it would be as a, I'm not a Steelers fan, but as a Steelers fan, it would, I, you know, I had these emotions when Hank Aaron was a, went to Milwaukee, even though he had been there before the Braves, but I, I can, and football wise, Seeing Deion Sanders the first time in a 49ers uniform was tough for me because as bad as our team was in Atlanta, we had Deion. Right. And Deion was the franchise. Right. And and in many ways, I know Ben's not been the franchise, but he might have been the face of the last 20 years, you know. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And, and, you know, it's one of those things where (laughs) – Throughout the league, he's been kind of, you know, um, known as whatever, you know, you know the narrative. Um, but it, it, he's always kind of he, – he is the epitome of a Pittsburgh Steeler. He's, he's you know, he's the guy that will play on a broken ankle. He'll, you know, I remember one year um, he finished they, – they're playing Cleveland. I think they broke his ribs in, like, the second quarter. Finished the game on broken ribs. I mean, who does that? He does this time after time after time. That is what is a Pittsburgh Steeler is. I get the business decision. I get that by cutting him, you can then afford to keep a Stefan to it. You can then afford to keep a, um, a Craig Hayward. You could keep Joe. Hay- you can do so many other things. Maybe Dupree comes back. You know, it, there's so many other things that that opens up by doing that. But what are you bringing in, contract wise? And does it make sense? Ben's talking about playing for under $20 million. Yeah. I don't so, know what Darnold's making. I'd, I'd venture to say it's more than that. Uh, I'll throw, throw one name at the Stiller Nation that could probably come in. And it, it needed to be such an unpopular move. But he's played at a high level for a long time that he's probably the best quarterback out there past those two we talked about which is Ryan Fitzpatrick. I knew you were going to say that. I mean. Uh, That's not going to happen. I mean, he is he not quarterback maybe 35 in the NFL? That's I, not going to happen. I would see it happening before I saw Mason Randolph as a starter. See, I don't. 
Really? I don't. Yeah, I, I, they'll they'll go with Mason before they go. Actually, they'll go with um, Dobbs, the Tennessee kid. So they really like Dobbs. I I I, I can't see that happening though, Randall. I, I can't see that happening. I, I they have to make a move if they're not comfortable with Ben next year. They have to make a move, and it, it has to be darn old. I don't well, see any other scenario that makes sense if you're if you're the Rooney family, if you're Colbert, Colbert you know. I, to go back to Dobbs for a second. Now, that, that's a kid that I'm going to tell you. Uh, when I make my list of, mo- of uh, Tennessee players, Josh Dobbs makes my list. Yeah. I mean, but um, And I think they sent him to Jacksonville to give him yes. a chance to be a starter. Yes. And it just didn't work nope. down there. They never really gave him a chance. I mean. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think if he'd have been in Pittsburgh the year – that Ben got hurt and Randolph got hurt. No doubt. You, you might have saw it. The one thing you don't have to worry about Joshua Dobb is <laughs> he is maybe the most intelligent football player yeah. on anybody's team. Yeah. I do see that uh, you could go into the year and maybe let those two compete, but you're not looking uh, you're not looking at a, a playoff run type year I don't think I think it would be a um and do you do you really want to go dig a Jameis Winston off a scrap heap somewhere I I don't see it I just really don't yeah I I mean if that's thanks Tony appreciate you brother (laughs) that's funny Um, now you know it's one of those things though Randall where um I, I I just I don't see I don't see the Steelers going into the season without major, making a major move. If they're not comfortable with Ben, they ha- they have to move on this. And I just don't think he fits. Well, you know, you look at what the Steelers want to do. They've got Claypool for a reason. They've got Johnson for a reason. They want to get those guys the ball quickly. That's not a good spot for Trubisky. It is for Darnold. Yeah. Hey, you know, and I know Atlanta has tried to move Matt Ryan, but they can't for the same reason exactly. that you cannot move Ben Roethlisberger. If they trade him a thirty-six million dollars tag comes with him, you know, right, right. You just, yeah, they, you just can't, you just can't yeah. move these guys. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, I, let's pivot. That's you know, I'm off my soapbox there. I, I just, I, I, I would guess two weeks depends out because I think so, his cap hits. It's like March fifteenth, and, and I'm more and more convinced that I'm going to end up with a quarterback at four in Atlanta, and we're going to have Matt Ryan and somebody riding the bench for the year, which I absolutely don't know how I feel about it. It's um, a lot. I mean, you're basically cashing in your franchise. and uh, Getting saying, nothing okay, out of it. Yeah, you know, Matt Ryan's over. Uh, it's Julio like driving Jones an old over. jalopy off a cliff, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Same thing with Ben. It Same is. Same thing. Um, and both, you know, both, both, both have really – Done a lot for those franchises. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. So, notice right, I, did, I didn't bring up Andy Dalton. I knew that would cause you a stroke. So, that fucking, anyway. <laughs> so, so I, I got to be honest with you. I had an hour to get through a boatload of baseball stuff. Let's go. I didn't get through all of it. <laughs> so I was talking about quarter infield. Yeah. Um, I got through my first tiers, but I, I really, I, you know, wh- who who are some 
So do you agree with me? Is the first base position deeper than maybe it's been given credit for? I, I think so too. I, I, I've done some mocks and sent them to you. And uh, I find myself, you know, in years past, I would go first base because that's a position that you can't afford. You can't afford to take a, a donut there. But the, the more and more I've mocked draft, I'm finding guys deep into the yeah. seventh, eighth round that I mean. Deeper. I, I mean, I went the other night and ended up with Pete Alonzo. You know, I, I was like nine rounds in, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I sent you one the other night, which was a Yahoo, that I ended up with. I ended up with like four first basemen. And I was like, I don't even know who I'll play. Goldsmith in the sixth round, seventh round, yeah. you know? So, yeah, it's a, it, to me, it's a, it's a value position. So, looking at this, looking at this, so fan, fan, I would say Fantasy Pros does a really nice mock-up there. They have an average, that you, you know, Yahoo, RT Sports, NFBC, um, and they average them together. So, so of, of this, so say from – just according to, to um, Fantasy Pros, I'm going to give you these these second 12 first basemen. Tell right. me who sticks out to you. Tell me who you, you you like the most out of this group. Give me a couple. Rizzo, 98.5 is the 12th first baseman. Bohm, 108. Dom Smith, 108. I'm not going to give you Yasmani Grandal. He's a catcher. Mike Mustakas, one twenty-three. Will Myers, one thirty-three. Eric Hosmer, one forty-eight. Ryan Mountcastle, one fifty. Josh Bell, one fifty-eight. Reese Hoskins, one sixty-four. Who do you like out of that group? Uh, I love Josh Bell. You know, I, I just really, I think he was a guy that got caught in a situation. He maybe underperformed a little bit. I've still got Josh Bell 2019 in my head. Um, also, First half. Yeah, I great. He was a, you know, it, a 2020 is almost a watch to me. So, yeah. really, he had a bad half of the year in 2019. But I also had a great half a year in 2019. So, Josh Bell is somebody I like. Uh, Will Myers. Uh, I was shocked to see in a little trivia the other day uh, that he has like the second or third most RBIs at the first base in the last decade. You know, you don't think about it. Uh, he's a guy that's in a great lineup. And I think his value is overstated because of his the lineup he's in. And I absolutely I love what the Orioles are doing. Uh, and I think that kid has potential, potential, potential. But my first one, I would guess, I guess Bell, Montcastle, maybe Myers, would be my three out of that. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I I'm not a big Myers fan, but the other two definitely. Um, you know, Montcastle is one of those guys that um, we still don't know his full ability, right? Right. Um, he came up last year. He, he's one of those guys that um, he, he's, he's easy to cheer for. Um, he, he hustles on and off the field. Um, he showed good bat-to-ball skills. I, you know, I don't think we'll ever hit for, for high power, but I think he's a high-average guy. And I think he profiles more as a um, – as 
even with a high average as a as a RBI as opposed to a runs guy. I think he hits, you know, five six in that lineup when they're you know full you know what they want them to be right. Right. Um, but but to me, this is a guy that if you have to go out and take a chance on a low average guy, this is a perfect guy to go out and grab. And especially again, where you can get him, you're looking at what the fifteenth round ish yeah, yeah. at ADP one fifty. That's a really good value. Um, but but again, to your point, even more so than that, the Josh Bell thing um, at one fifty eight. It, it to me, it's 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 a mistake, is what yeah. it is. So you know, uh, you've played on bad teams before, right? I mean, that's draining. Yeah. Going to the park and knowing that you have no chance to win, um, really is hard on a player's morale. And if you look at what he did now. I said this um, at eight o'clock. You look at what he did the first half versus the second half of the year last year, excuse me, in 2019. Um, people don't think about it from the perspective of the Pirates were competing in the first half of 2019. Randall, did you get 84 RBIs in the first half of that year? That's incredible. He had. 27 homers? I know at the All-Star break, he was an, kind of an outlier to the MVP race. I mean, he was that Totally good. was. He totally was. And they, so, so, is, so, one more. He's a career 261 hitter. He had 226 last year. Did he maybe mail it in a little bit? Maybe. Uh, this team stinks. I, Why should I, you know? Yeah. I, is that a bad thing? You know, it's hard on being the mm. best player on a bad team. Mm. Or a, uh, you know, I we do a thing on our other show, uh, on the Dee's Wayne show. We pick a bad team that we've never rooted for, and we root for that team. Yeah. So last year I've had the Pirates. And – uh you know, because I'm not I'm a Braves fan. So this year I've got the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, so, but out and watching the Pirates last year, if he wasn't the only guy that melded in, if he's guilty yeah. of it, they yeah. were a, a lot of it. And the one guy, before I forget about it, I, I love that you brought up, but I don't see him as a first baseman. Is Brandon Lowe? I he just don't fit yeah. that. He's he's really in my head a second baseman. And a, a kind of in fantasy, he's eligible other spots that I think is bad. His Helps profile fits yeah, at second base, yeah, right? Yeah. Same thing I said about DJ LeMayhew earlier. It's the same yeah. thing. He's eligible at first base, but really, if you're going to draft DJ LeMayhew at 26.2, you're going to put him at second base. Yeah, I mean, you're just not. Uh, and, and, you know, even Will Meyer, I think he's more of an outfielder. Outfielder, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's good to have that vers- That versatility is a bonus. It is. It is. Especially in leagues like we play in that's, that are head-to-head, you know, daily changes. I, I, that's a good thing to have. So you, so you want to hear a stat, Bell stat line from the first half of 2019? Yeah, hit me with it. 88 games, 338 at-bats. He hit 302 
with 27 homers, 69 runs, and 84 RBIs. You're goddamn right he was in the MVP discussion. Pardon my language. The hell of a half a year right there. So his second half. (laughs) 233. 10 homers, 32 RBIs. Not so good. (laughs) Well, and the lineup he is in, I think underperformed last year too. So... You know, yes. if you, you put that bat in the middle of that lineup with Turner, it's a pretty good lineup still. I mean, that lineup can be potent. Listen, and in that division, you've got to be. Juan Soto is the most underrated player in the game. I heard a comparison today. And I don't have the stats in front of me. I just heard it as I was working. They compared him. They compare. Actually, I can get it because I don't want to mess this up. They compared him to none other than Barry Bonds. He had 12 intentional walks last year in 60 games. Kind of incredible. He his strikeout rate didn't go up. Uh, to me. As a whatever, 21, 22 year old now? Yeah. Once what one Soto can make an argument for being the first overall pick. Sure can. Matter of fact, my personal rankings have him in the top three. <laughs> no uh, lower. Yeah. Yeah. The the only thing that takes away from Soto being that at that level is that he doesn't steal bases. But he's going to hit for average. He's going to score. He's especially with Schwarber and Bell behind him now. He's going to score a lot more runs in that offense. Right. If Robles gets his act together, that could be a really <laughs> potent offense. That division could be so good. You just you you got to wait and see how it plays out. But you. The Mets have sold the farm to be there. The Nationals, to me, still have maybe the most talent. And the Braves are the defending champion. So, well, that that could be a special division race. I, I'll tell you, I mean, the, the one that's interesting to me, because I don't think they're done yet, is the Mets. I feel like if the Mets go out and get another starter, they could be really dangerous. If they go out and get Odorizzi, if they go out and get Taiwan Walker, they're starting to build depth that mimics the Dodgers and the Padres. They're built for the long run. Right. Uh, You know, uh, the suddenly – Overflowing pockets and, and flushing, I'd be concerned as a Braves fan. Yep. I, I'm concerned as it is. I still don't think we've made the moves. I, I, I don't have us winning the division. So, I mean, that's a Braves fan. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think, you know, 
part of the, that that's kind of twofold too, right? Part of it you want to see what your prospects do, right? Why spend if you have these prospects that are? But and on the other end, you've seen your prospects. You know what they are. You know what they're not. We've talked about Christian Pache. Confidence level in Christian Pache coming up and hitting 280, 20, and 20. Not good. Right. We know Ian Anderson had a good year last year. Kyle Wright's capable. Right. Your confidence level in a guy like Tuki Toussaint's? None. And, and, you know, it may end up in a pen. It may find himself in the pen. Bryce Wilson. Higher than Tukey, but (laughs) no better than a fifth starter. Even though he had the one great playoff game. He's not. He never. Bryce has never been the profile of that front line starter. Um, You know, uh, and the Braves are kind of in a holding pattern right now. Yeah, and they have to be. Yeah, and and I mean, there's not a lot left in the minors we haven't seen. A couple of catchers, maybe a shortstop of the future, but those minor leagues have been pretty drained over the last five years. I'll tell you, and I know we've talked about this, the, the, the guy that I don't think gets enough credit. You, you know I'm a William Contreras fan. Right. I'm not going to talk about him. I want to talk about Shea Langoliers. I think this is a guy who has Otley Rutschman type skills. Yeah. I haven't heard many people give that amount of credit to him. No. I've done it consistently, and you know this, for the last year. Talk to me about what you're hearing about Langoliers. Um, you know, I think Atlanta likes his bat more than everybody. I think since draft day, mm-hmm. Atlanta liked his bat more than everybody else. Uh, he came uh, from day one. He is the ultimate defensive catcher. His defensive skills cannot – I mean, a pure catcher. Great pop. Throw rate is just incredible. In college, he was called – I mean, he was impossible still on. Yeah. But his knack, his his reputation in the draft was, ah, he's going to hit okay, but he's never. I don't think Atlanta expects him to hit okay. I right. think Atlanta expects him to be a B-plus hitter. Middle yes. of the lineup. Yeah, I think that Atlanta, Atlanta expects him to be Travis Darnot the next 10 years, you know, hit fifth, you know, hit sixth. Uh, you know, catch 30 homers. Yeah. Catch 125 games, you know. You don't spend that kind of draft capital unless you expect that in return. The biggest compliment I think I've heard about Shay Langlairs, he's like a coach on the field. Yeah. And, you know, that's one thing. When you're a you know a Benji Molina, or a you know a, a a really good defensive catcher, I right. think you and I both know there's more there than that. 
Yeah. And it's quite a conundrum, too, though, because, again, William Contreras, we're talking about Wilson Contreras' little brother. A and great and I know that doesn't always translate, right? Right. I think here it does. I think the Braves was – I think Langoliers just blew them away. Yeah. I think they were comfortable with Contreras as their catcher yeah. of the future. Yep. And they just saw a generational talent. and That was being overlooked yeah. by another generational talent. Right. And, uh, you know, you're going to see uh, – and I don't think it's long. I mean – I think yeah. one more year is in the minor. This time next year. Yeah, we'll be we'll be expecting it, you know. So uh I know they've even played him in the outfield a little bit at wrong. I mean, talked about just so they could get so I think there's a value to having him be able to play a little outfield. One, it saves you a position player. And two, he's still primarily a catcher, but you might be able to still five games out of him and get his back to the lineup without rest his knees. Yeah. Rest his knees. Still 10 games. Yeah. You know, Johnny Bench played a little first base during his career. That's still a game here and there for Johnny Bench. So it's okay. No, I I think it's, you know, it just goes to show his athleticism, right? Right. I, I, I feel like, so my take on that whole situation is this time next year, William Contreras is with another organization. And yeah. Shea, Lang- Shea Langlers has played in uh, Major League Baseball. And that's the one resource the the Braves do- does have that I think could bring back a yes. Major League quality arm right. tomorrow. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah. Um, I do – you know, the Braves made a minor move with Knips the other day, and I think he could end up making the team. Um I don't know what their plans are. Uh, Adam Duvall signed with the Marlins, so I thought they thought about bringing him back. I just really like Washington, Chappie. I just really, I really, Washington, while while New York did it splashy, I think Washington did it quiet and really put some pieces together that weren't front-line pieces like Bell. I mean, Bell went under the radar. Totally, I, I you know Schwarber. Yeah, uh, I I know I know Lindor was the big splash in New York, but if I tell you that Bell has a better year coming, I'm not shocked. No, no, I, and 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 that's the thing. Like to me, um, you, you know, you put you put him and Schwarber back to back. Yeah. And you put them right behind Soto. Bell's a switch hitter. Schwarber is a lefty. That makes you matchup proof. It does. Because, yeah, you, okay, Schwarber might struggle a little bit against left-handed pitchers. But but Soto's going to hit both sides of the plate. Yeah. I, to me, pairing those two up, and then putting Castro right behind. Castro was out of place as a five hitter. He was very. He's much. probably still out of place as a six hitter. Yeah. But that's why Robles is so key. If Robles comes through and can push everybody back a spot, that changes the whole game. 
And, you know, and I almost feel the same way about the Braves, where you can move Acuna out of one and move him down in the order, but they just had no solution last year. Yeah. Other than Acuna at one. And and again, it's the same guys. You know, it's it's Patch. It's it's Incarnate. You know, you just I just don't see enough at that you can move Acuna down to push. You know, last year we had uh, Travis hitting fifth, you know, um, and I don't think he's a five hitter at times, you know. He's a good hitting catcher, but is he truly a five hitter? I don't know. Let me, so Let me give you a name who's still available. Does a 30-year-old Jackie Bradley Jr. do anything for you? It does, and I, I don't understand how he's still out there, Chappie. Yeah. It racks my brain how he's still out there. It really does. But um, the, the fact that he's out there means that he's, that he's affordable, <laughs> yeah. which makes him even more appealing, right? Yeah. So you're talking about when you bring on a Jackie Bradley Jr., <laughs> you're talking about maybe the second or third best defensive center fielder in the game? Yeah. You take a lot of pressure off of Acuna. You move him over to a corner outfield spot, whichever one you choose. <clears throat> you put him at the top of the lineup. He hit 283 last year. You put him at the top of the lineup. You let him man center field every day. You say, Jackie, don't worry about competition. That spot's yours. You can at all be second. You can hit Acuna third. Ozuna fourth. Right on down the line. Riley slots into place. Yep. It's uh, a different team. They've got to get something. Totally. I, I really feel there's an arm need and a, lead, a true leadoff hitter need in Atlanta. And that's not a question in Washington and New York. That is not a question who leads off. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, uh, and I know we were on corner infielders, but I'll go on my rant for just a second. And I am a, I'm not the baseball guy I used to be, but I can tell you, I've always thought, you show me a good team, I'm going to show you a team that's got a good leadoff hitter. You yeah. show me a good team, I'm going to show you a guy that's got a good two-wheel hitter. That top of the order has got to be able to set that lineup up. And right now, Atlanta has a couple of pieces doing it that could be more valuable other places. So, so that you brought it up. I'll, I'll talk about it. The two hole that's changed a lot in the it last has. fifteen years. So, so you know, is you know, Juan Soto to me makes a whole lot of sense at two, just because he 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 knows how to work the counts. He he's not afraid to take a walk. He can hit for power on a dime. Is Juan Soto the perfect two-hitter in this day and age? He may very well be. Um, and he's got speed. Uh, but he's not a huge base dealer, but he can, right, right. He, he can run the pads, you know. Uh, you know, and, and you look at Atlanta. You know, they use Albies. The two Another perfect hitters, example. Perfect the, example. The two-hitter – in my ear, I'm a little older than you, Chappie, but I can remember mm. days 
when guys like Tommy Herr hit two. And he hit two because he was a line drive hitter, but he was also a great bunter, you know, in St. Louis. And really that two guy has now became – I feel like the two guy is what used to be the three guy. And everybody yeah. moved up one. Yeah. And now with the DH, the nine-hole guy is actually the one guy. Yep. And the leadoff guy is the two guy. Right. So we shifted the order up and down. And really in the American League, we see that we see that even more, you know, with those nine hole hitters in the American League. And when you go to uh you go to a minor league park, you watch the lineup come out and you just look at that scoreboard, you watch who they have hitting ninth in those lineups. It's not a guy hitting two twenty five anymore. Right. It's a guy hitting two eighty that can burn the Run. speed. Yeah. yeah, it turns that lineup. So it, it feels like everything shifted up one to me. So, so let's let's talk about this real quick. So on base percentage, I looked this up. Last year, on base percentage leaders. Soto was number one. 490 on base percentage. I'll say that again. Juan Soto got on base almost half the time he got up to the plate. 490. Freddie Freeman was second at 462. And Ozuna was third at 431. You're talking about a 60-point difference. Freddie Freeman had a great year between first and third. That's a that's significant. Yeah, that's uh, and Freddie's second and third or second looked a lot different than Soto's first too. You know, Freddie is the guy, and I'm the world's biggest Freddie fan. Yep. Uh, but Freddie is is he's gonna he's going he don't get on base a lot with his legs. Right. I mean, uh, Freddie Freddie cannot create with what Soto does. Right. You know, and I, I, I've seen the one thing that I really appreciate about Soto's game is it seems like he's kind of that old school power to the gap guy. Yeah. That you don't see in today's game as much. And, uh, and he's also a guy that, I mean, he seems like he'll go with the ball, you know. So, yeah, I love Soto. It's a great point. When you so again back to the comparison with Bonds, and I know that sounds crazy, right? I mean, you know, I think I called into the your guys' show the other night and talked about Bonds being the best baseball player of all time. Yeah. Um, when you compare what Bonds was during his last five years in the league versus what Soto is right now, obviously the power is different, but you're absolutely right. The difference to me is, whereas Bonds was a dead pool hitter, he knew what he wanted, he knew what he could do with yeah. it. Soto will take it wherever you put it with him. He he will put it down any line because he can. Yeah. But the other part, I think that you know we we overlook. Um, again, we're you know people talk about Vlad being so young. Soto's 22 years old. Don't seem possible, does it? It seems like he's been up forever. 
because he has. So intentional bases on balls. A 22-year-old we're talking about here. Number two in the league last year, Bryce Harper. He had eight. Number three, Freddie Freeman had seven. Cruz had five. Alonzo and a bunch of others had four. Soto had 12, Randall. He had a quarter more than the second place hitter. As a 22-year-old. Wow. Just got a first overall pick. He's there. I, and you said it. The only thing that hurts him in fantasy is, you know, that uh, Acuna goes out and steals 25 bases. Right. Or, right. Or, and Trout, he's, while older, still still will steal a little more than he does. I I don't know. I, I, do, I will say it, and, you know, we we always do these shows and we're like, oh, we'll just we'll reveal what we're thinking. I put him third on my list, but I have a Kuna one. I debate it. I mean, and we play dynasty leagues. Is a Kuna really more valuable than Soto? I mean, uh, and and then I had a huge debate. No, no doubt that Trout's a generational talent, but at his age, the other two seems like a bargain, you know, if you're going to play dynasty league baseball. Soto, um, again, fantasy isn't equal to who's the best baseball player, but I think, I think Acuna probably goes first. I have a hard time telling you who goes second, but yeah, he's there. So it's personal taste too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I say this all the time. I know you've heard me say this. It doesn't matter a flip. Who you prefer now? Yeah. What the proof is in the pudding when you do this. At the end of the year, yeah. there's going to be a number one fantasy player. There's going to be a number two all the way down. So it doesn't matter. You can be thought of as wing ding at this time of the year. Are you right. right at the end of the year? Right. And to me, to me, the thing that gets overlooked about Juan Soto is his, his, he's an average. I mean, he could win a batting title. He hit 351 last year. It's incredible, isn't it? I, I, the more research I do on this young man, the more I'm enamored with him. I don't know that I put him one. I might. He's definitely top two. I think there's a clear tier. We talk about tiers. I think there's a clear tier in fantasy baseball this year. And it's Acuna and Soto and everybody else. Yeah. I would be happy if we come out of our draft with either one of them. Right. And, and you know, and maybe, uh, maybe as a position, you know, there's a lot of talk about Tatis, but I want Soto or Acuna in my league. <clears throat> There's just so many shortstops. Yeah, I, it's so funny because you ha- you really have to keep that in mind when you're when you're drafting, um, you know, and obviously w- with with Tatis, I want to see it. 
give me another time through, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't doubt his abilities. I don't doubt that he won't do it again. But when you're talking about a pick that high, and, and heck, you know, Soto might drop down to four or five. Yeah. That's an easy decision for me. I mean, you know, it's one of those things. The only thing that might sway me away from a guy like Juan Soto is someone who has that, you know, a Trey Turner type player who has that, that, that just that, because speed's so hard to get. Yeah. And I'm not saying Trey Turner, I'm saying that type of play. So Mookie Betts, right? Mookie Betts is another one that, that has to be in that, has to be in that discussion. Yes. He's number. Th- he has to be number three to me. And still, Mookie's what twenty eight, twenty seven. So he's still got plenty of tread on the tires. And you love him in that park. You love him in that lineup. I, I don't think we've seen. You know, I, I, I don't think we've seen his best ball. Two ninety two, sixteen and ten last year. Twenty eight years old. Again, for me, what's the, you know, does he ever get back to the 30 that he had as a 25 year old in 2018? I don't know that he does. Do you uh, need it? Do you need it to, for him to be the third pick? No, I, in my head, you don't. Plus, that ballpark, I mean, God, Lord, he's got gaps everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think the move to Los Angeles was a good move. For Mookie's career, I think a lot that of ball, extra base hits, right? Yeah, that ballpark was kind of built for his game. Uh, so it's uh, it's amazing to me after the uh, Red Sox trade at uh, Andrew the other day, that outfield that we all thought would be together for fifteen years is kind of not there anymore. You know? Well, and the crazy part to me is they're still, I think, the fourth highest spending team in the majors. I know. What are you doing, Boston? Yeah, you're spending money, but it seems like your best player is in L.A. So. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, uh, for, for me, so there for 23 through 25, he's still 23, 23, excuse me, 26, 26, and 30. I don't think he ever gets back up to those numbers, Randall. But I could see him stealing – 20. Yeah, easy. 15, guaranteed. I mean, especially in this offense now where you can kind of play loosey-goosey a little bit. Yeah. You you can, you know, you can be aggressive on the base pass. Well, and even that stolen base category over the last decade has changed. It used to be you went and looked for that guy that can steal 35. Well, that guy that can steal 35 can also hit 35 now. Right. Ten years ago, that guy that can steal 35 hit five. You know, he looked more traditional leadoff that we were talking about that's kind of gone away, you know? Yeah. The, the, uh, other, the other part of it, Randall, for me is where he hits in the lineup and in direct response to the other MVP in that outfield. You're not going to steal Mookie Betts when he's standing on first base and Cody Bellinger's at, at, at the plate, and all they're going to do is walk him because he's on fire. You're right. not going to do that. So it almost makes sense where you put a player between them. 
so so that you have that opportunity um, where you don't have that intentional walk. I feel like that's kind of a problem, perhaps for bets. Correct. If, I mean, if you sit right in front of Bellinger, you're just not going to take off that much. I never had thought of that, but that's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty good, uh, it's a pretty good thought to be honest. I've grown up around baseball, brother. My dad was a coach, so <laughs> you know. I mean, you, you, it's fun to think about that philosophy type stuff, uh, but it is impactful. Now, again, if he hits three forty six, doesn't matter, right? Don't. But if he hits two ninety, it matters. Yep. Do you really think in that ballpark, though? Uh, what what's his what's his what's his? We always talk about floors and ceilings, right? I, th- I think he's got a pretty high floor in Dodger oh, Stadium. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, so he, he he's never hit below. Wait, one year he hit two sixty four. Aside from that, he's never hit below two ninety. He's a career three hundred one hitter. I just can't see him hitting below 320 in that lineup. He might not get 30 homers, but he might get 45 doubles. <clears throat> yeah. He might and- score 120 runs. I, I I just I feel like those are reasonable asks out of him. He's another uh, one of those guys. He's one of the. He's really poised as a batter. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, and and just I was looking at his projections for steals. They had him at eighteen. I think that's reasonable. You know, I, I mean, if if you're taking Mookie Betts at number three, I'd say that's that's the threshold of where you're happy. If he gets below eighteen, you're not pleased. He better put up. Really good average and run numbers. Because runs is a thing. Runs are a lot like stolen bases. They're hard to come by. Correct. So if he he gives you 120 runs, you can live with 15 stolen bases. Because it doesn't happen that often. So I'll give you one uh, Mookie before we jump off of Mookie Betts. Yeah. You know, he's a local kid. Okay. He, he's about uh he grew up about ninety five miles from here. Uh he's a Nashville kid. Do you know that he was also the state bowling championship champion when nice. he was not school? I did not. He is like a I mean, it just goes to show you those guys are just great athletes. But I I've been watching Mookie Betts now for I actually got to see him play once in high school and I just feel like his best baseballs in front of us. Yeah, yeah. I, I tell you, I did not know that, but I'll tell you what that tells me. I don't think bowling gets enough credit for being a cerebral game, right? You're trying to spin a ball down a lane full of wax in a way that it hits a pocket just right to knock yeah. it because you can't hit the pocket straight on, right? You have to put that spin on. So that tells me a lot in terms of, 
you know, getting jumps on flat balls, getting jumps in the base paths, um, understanding what um, maybe a spin on a pitch is going to do coming off of your bats. It, 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 it's kind of cool to think of it like that. Hey, because hey. if you ask your novice fan, is bowling a thinking game? No, you're crazy. I go and drink beer with my buddies, right? Uh, right. But but think about to throw a, to throw a repeatable strike. You really have to hit that pocket, right? Yeah, I mean he's he threw a two ninety in competition in high school. So yeah, I mean he's elite. That's elite. Good. That is athlete. really good. Um, and I know he. I think he com- he committed to the University of Tennessee at one point. But we all knew when he committed, you know, like, this kid's never going to see a collegiate baseball field. So, you know, it's nice to see. It's nice to see. Even though it tore my heart out last year in the playoffs, it was nice to see Mookie uh, get his world championship, too. He was a kid I, I root like for. Guy. Yeah, yeah, he's a good guy. Got his money. From everything I know, he's a great kid. He took care of his family. There's nothing you can say that's bad about a kid that's done that. Yeah. So let's talk about a couple more corners. We got about 25 more minutes. All right. We uh, haven't even got to third yet. <laughs> okay. Hit taken. Uh, no, I, I don't know as much about third. So you, <laughs> when you get there, you're probably on your I, own. I, I, no, I, I'll tell you. I'll start with the sweet spot because I, I already talked about Cabrian, Cabrian Hayes. Um, I haven't talked about Justin Turner a whole lot, but one guy I do want to talk about. What are you? What are your thoughts on Austin Riley? <clears throat> I, um, as a Braves fan, I, I, uh, I've been, I've struggled with Austin, and I don't think our, I don't think our, our parent club has done a very good job managing Austin through a tough time, and, um. I'm afraid uh, – I think if they put Austin Riley at third and left him alone and say, go play 140 games and figure it out, you might see a different player. But, you know, when you're fighting for your life over there, you're in the outfield, you're in the infield, you sit on the dugout and you watch Juan Camaro pl- or uh, Johan Camaro play third and you know you're – you know, I, I think he's just a little shaken. And the thing coming up, Chappie, that always impressed me was Austin Riley's contact ability. And now it seems like that's even a little shaken. Um, so I, I, I hope he gets it figured out. I think if he gets it figured out, you could see a very high-level third baseman in Austin Riley. But I think we need to help him a little bit as an organization. Trust him. I don't know where to start with this. <laughs> I, I, Austin Riley to me, I, I agree with a lot of what, what you said. Austin Riley to me, and I, I've been wrong before, I can handle being wrong, is one of the breakout candidates in the major leagues this year. Um, I agree. He needs to play third base every day. Yeah. Or – Put him in left field. I mean, do one or the other. Put him in a position. Let him get comfortable there. Yeah. 
the the thing about Riley, I can live with the average. I can live with two thirty nine for the rest of his career. Eight homers projects out to approximately thirty five homers. I'm trying to pull it up quickly, but it never works. What do you want it to? You can live with that. Yep. If he's doing the other things, right? So projected out 26 homers. Okay. 51 walks, 156 strikeouts. That's that, not good. Yeah, that's that's that is the issue with the organization in Atlanta and and, you know, that's a lot of strikeouts. Yeah. Yeah. But here's why I'm still very much encouraged in what Austin Riley's doing. 82nd percentile exit velocity. 71st percentile X slug. It's one of those things where I think we all know that this guy's every bit as capable of hitting 40 home runs as anyone else. And the ball has a different sound off his bat. It is oh, no it doubt. is real. It and is. a different feel. It looks yeah. different going off his bat. Yeah. So I'll say this. So he jumped from 226 to 239. That's a step forward. It was. In 2019, in 274 plate appearances, he had 108 strikeouts and 16 walks. In 2020... In 188 plate appearances, he had 49 strikeouts and 16 walks. Same amount of walks, 90 less games, half the strikeouts. Half the strikeouts, Randy. That, to me, is an indicator. Yeah. It's not a trend yet. But it could be. I need to see another year of you know. It's like that guy on the Price is Right going up the mountain, right? Yeah. I needed. I need to see another year of him going up that mountain, cutting down that strikeout rate. But I think the biggest thing is he realized that pitchers got him on a string with that slider off the plate, and he Thanks. fixed that. He started to fix that last year. It's um that one pitch has been his kryptonite his whole career though, and it seems like you know I know playing a little baseball back in high school and even playing some softball uh, when you see that pitch on the outside you just think you can take it the other way, and I've seen Austin Riley take some of the most vicious cuts at sliders that I've ever seen taken and just come up empty 
You know, it's it's like it's really simple. Yeah, uh, it's it's uh, all he has to do is tuck his fr- front shoulder. He fixes the problem, and he almost flies out. Yeah, he swings so hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and if you look at the, when he first came up, they talked about his contact and his spin ratio and his speed off the bat, uh, Freddie Freeman like. Right. And you've got to feel that it's fixable. I told somebody uh, recently, Freddie Freeman may get out of Atlanta and become a superstar, and we go, "Oh my, we had a, we had Austin Riley, and we let him get away." Yeah, and that's my biggest fear. Just like uh, today, when I was breaking down some pictures, and I was like, "That's not the same Kevin Gossman we had in Atlanta." <laughs> just let walk, is it? And it, yeah. it is, you know. Yeah, you just, you just sometimes it just don't work. Um. I, I still think there's a. I still think the Atlanta organization wants Austin Riley to be the third baseman of the future. Then you um, need to put him there because I'll yeah. tell you right now, this guy is. Um, he could be an all star, and he doesn't have to hit three hundred to do it. He can hit two seventy, and hit your forty homers. You're happy with that every year. Yeah, and just uh, and I don't even think it's. I think if he strikes out a hundred times, the organization's thrilled. Yeah. I, I really yeah. think when you get up in the high one hundreds or mid one hundreds, it just becomes, you know, it's almost a de- detriment to your team. No now doubt. The, the, the latest pro- projections I've been reading uh, as far as in the local papers and stuff, um, they have Austin in the lineup and as the everyday third baseman has to, um, hitting seventh. Yeah. Um, so, and I think if they, I read one in the Atlanta paper that kind of put projections out. It had Freddie, uh, I mean, had Austin hitting, I think maybe one more home run than you just said, 29, 80 RBIs, 246. And out beside it, the writer wrote, basically, if this happens, he's the third baseman for the next decade yeah. and you can quit looking. So I, I really root. For I think that happens, I, Randall. I do too. Yeah. I hope it does. I, I really believe that he, he's someone that I, you know, I, I've trusted for the last two years and you see glimpses of it. I think this is the, I think this is the year he puts it all together. Well, and I think the Ozuna signing takes a little pressure off of that. A lot of pressure. Yeah, uh, a lot so of pressure. I think you can now uh, live with some Austin Riley mistakes that you couldn't with without Azuna. And uh, twenty, what, twenty-three years old? Give him a chance. Let him play. Well, and from a fantasy perspective, if you're gonna draft a guy like um, Riley, it never hurts to come back and draft um, a, a high-average guy to compliment him. Yeah, and that way it evens out, right? Yeah. So, uh, go ahead. Yeah, well, it's, if you can get soda, you can afford right, right. in your yeah. lineup. Yeah. So, so a couple other guys, and I want to jump off here. Um, but I think it's you know once you start getting down deeper, it, it's interesting. You got any interest in um, in a guy like CJ Crone? Uh, Colorado. Well, I, yeah, I do. Um, and he's in Colorado. You know, he's productive in L- L.A. You know. Um, but I don't know that he ever had a 
kind of the was strange enough. I, I would compare it to Austin Riley in a way. I don't know if he ever felt comfortable in that I have an everyday job. You know, um, I do have interest in him. And, and strangely, I, I think I have some interest in Dave Fletcher. Uh, just because he's eligible at so many positions, you can draft him and maybe he plays your third base. You know, uh, Crone, though, I think he in Colorado might surprise us all. Yeah, I, I mean, I really look for, you know, um, it's interesting, though, because I, I might be wrong on this. I believe they went out and signed Greg Bird, too. So it's kind of one of those things that um, there might that might be a friendly competition. Um, I, I, I think they want a big power hitter there. And I think it just goes to show that, you know, maybe sooner than we think, there might be some more chips moved in Colorado. Here's looking at you, Trevor Story. Yeah. Um, but Crone to me, this seems like a really good landing spot for him. And you look back at, you know, his 19 numbers, 25 homers and 253. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I don't, I don't want to get into the dead ball, whatever that, you know, but it seems like 25 homers in Colorado seems pretty attainable uh, for right. CJ Crone, even, you know, regardless of what the ball is. So with that said, how long does he stay in Colorado? You would hope at least uh, a while. Um, you know, there's just like guys that get to bouncing around the major leagues that just never seem to find a home. And then they do find a home, and all of a sudden they're a, an everyday player. And, you you know, and if Crone can find uh, – and I did look up. I think you are right. They did sign Bird. Yeah, uh, I, I, you know, Colorado is not going to be a very good ball team this year. No, but you can still get very good fantasy statistics out of Colorado. Exactly. So it's going to be interesting in uh, DFS with those guys, right? Because those guys aren't going to be very highly priced. But when you're playing at home, I think you're going to see a big jump in those numbers. Yeah. Um, you know, but but. To me, um, I feel like it, Crone could be very short-lived in Colorado. If he gets if he gets off to a good start, I would imagine they'd want to ship him out pretty quickly, especially if Bird's healthy and he's actually being productive. I feel like you know if you're a team like Colorado and you're building for the future, I've said this about the Cubs. Okay, you don't want to compete. That's fine. You should still, as a large market team, be out there. Signing these projects, the Taiwan Walkers, the you know the, these guys that um, Aaron Sanchez, saying Aaron Sanchez hit ninety eight on the freaking uh, radar gun yeah. the other day. So you know um, it's one of those things where if you're a large market team and you're in sell mode, you need to go out and sign these players as lottery tickets. And I think that's what Colorado is going to do with Crone. They hope he gets off to a hot start so they can ship him to a contender at a nice price to stockpile more prospects. That's how you should do it. Well, and you know, and you've seen teams do it and come up with just magic, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, just, uh, you know, I thought DJ uh, LeMayu going to the Yankees was just like a throwaway piece. And the next thing you know, 
man, this dude's an all-star and he's an MVP candidate and he's hitting the middle of the, one of the best lineups. When that move was made, it wouldn't even blip on my radar. So Listen, that's nothing. Talk to me about Gio Urshela. Talk to me about some of these other players on that team that are just, you know, I mean, guy after guy, the Yankees are great at doing that, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it seems like Tampa Bay goes and picks up your pitcher that's trash and makes him an all-star. And I don't know. I, I don't know who their pitching coach is, but he should be the highest paid pitching coach in Major League Baseball. But uh, just seems like some organizations have a knack for that. You know, uh, the Braves kind of got caught up. Josh Donald at a just a bargain basement. Yeah, yeah. Got one great year for him. He managed to turn that into a great contact. I don't know if I'm taking Josh Donaldson in the top 15 of my third base draft this year. So... Yeah, so I have him. Shoot, he's low. Yeah, I mean, in the second year of a multi-year three uh, nine fifty around seventeen. Yeah, yeah, I got him around seventeen. You know, I, the thing about third base that I think is interesting, and uh, you know, you you have you have this tier, this top tier: Machado, Arenado, Ramirez, Rendon. Bregman endeavors, right? Those guys are all pretty established players. That next group of players is established players, but there's like a there's a there's a big Swiss cheese that you could throw your dart through, right? Yeah. Suarez, Chapman, Moncada, Bryant, Mustakas, Muncie, all those guys have a big hole in their profile fantasy wise. Yeah. But then you got these next three guys. And I want to end up on this. All right. Three guys that I love. And I'll start from the bottom. Ryan Malcastle, Alec Baum, and Cabrian Hayes. Talk to me about those, man. Well, we've already talked about Cabrian Hayes. And and, and and I was like, I he went back and I watched some – some other people's film on Cabrian Hayes. He's the real deal, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, the other one that I like is Alex uh, Baum. Uh, uh, my first thought with him was, is he going to strike out too much? But he really does get a lot of a lot of bat on the ball. So I mean, it's not. He's not the player I thought he was. And and I'll be mm -hmm. honest with you. All three of those players are guys that I would have probably overlooked if not for doing this show with you. <laughs> and they're guys that you've got me looking at now. Hey, and, uh, you know. Wanting, I'll, targeting, right? Yeah. And I'll throw Biggio on the list. Oh, no you doubt. Know, uh, the only they, reason I didn't mention him because he's, he's not eligible at third. So if we draft tomorrow, you can't put him at third base because he hasn't played enough games there. I, I know, but he might be. But he's going to play every day at third base. You're absolutely right. I mean, I, I, you know, Biggio is, uh, you know, there's problems there, and I realize that, but God, they're upside too, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if I'm, I'm, I'm a little upside down though. Uh, I think I probably have Brom and then Hayes, but I think I may be upside to you on it. Um, but I've also seen lists that have them flip flopped and. You know, you get your uh, – there's some guys in the middle. You know, that's where you're going to get your Max Muncy's and guys. Uh, 
But it's not really the guys I want at third. I really, right. I've made up my mind this year that I am going to throw. I'm either coming away with one of the top three or four third basemen, or I'm coming away with two third basemen I love and, and playing it that way. And right now I'm kind of leaning to, I think there's enough depth at third base that yeah. I can wait and I can come out with two people I love and just kind of put it together all year, you know? Um, I don't know that I don't know that second and shortstop I'm as confident about doing that, especially second. I really I think I'm going to have to have a, a second baseman that I can just throw in there, not 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 worry about my team, you know. Um, a third third is a position I think you can win the league at by getting it right. Yeah, yeah, and, and for me, again, the the, the problem for me with Bomb, and I say a problem, it's not a problem. It's it's the reason why Eileen Hayes. Um. Both of them had outstanding averages last year. I feel like bat the ball skill. Hayes is just ha- he has quicker hands. He has better approach to plate. I-, I feel like in two years, Charlie Hayes, <laughs> Brian Hayes, <laughs> oops, Brian Hayes could be could be the best third baseman in the league. So I'm going to fire a question back at you, Chappie. The one place <laughs> when I'm outlined third base, I don't want to end up in the Radon Devers category oh. where I spend high draft capital and come out with a guy that I am not comfortable with. And I feel like, you know, they could have great – Devers could have a great year. But Devers to me and Radon – I could also see me not being comfortable and going back and spending more draft capital. If I'm going to spend that much capital on a guy, I want to feel good. I want to feel good that I got it. I have that position nailed down. Do you agree with that or? Totally disagree. Really? I love, I love Rafael Devers. I think Devers can win a batting title. He is that talented. You're talking about a kid, Randall. At 22 years old, hit 54 doubles, led the league in doubles as a 22-year-old. At 311, 32 home runs as a 22-year-old, buddy. You're talking about, listen, last year the Red Sox had their share of troubles. Right, and I think that's what's got me worried. Is are they enough around him? I mean, is it going to? To me, Rafael Devers and Xander Bogarts are the face of the Red Sox. Okay. Those two guys are that team. Any team, I don't care who you are, you're going to suffer dramatically if you take your one and your two pitcher off the board from day one. Yeah, I don't true. care. I don't care who you are. So here's a situation where you have to take, and I've talked about this a lot, 
You have to take 2020 stats completely off the board for Rafael Devers because you don't know how much he gave you on the field because of what was going on with the pitching staff. He knew they had no chance. And all that said, he had 11 home runs last year. That projects out. That projects out, Randall, to 32 home runs. 263 and 32 home runs. Is he your tier then? He, he is. I said it at, seven, at 8 o'clock. I fully anticipate. So I have Bregman in the first tier as the last in the first tier. I have Devers as the first in the second tier. Okay. I said this time next year, I fully anticipate on flipping those two. Okay. I think Rafael Devers is one of the most underrated players. In the, at 40, he could be a first-round pick next year. You're going to make me go watch tape again, aren't you? It's a little risky. I'm not saying it's surefire, right? But you're talking about a guy, bat to ball skill-wise, is elite. I, now you're going to make me look up his baseball savant. He has such quick hands, and he has such an idea at the plate. I'm, I've been really impressed with Rafael Devers every time I've watched this kid play. And I feel like you can get him at a deal. Yeah, that's what I thought. You want to hear him? Yeah, let's hear it. Exit velocity. 96th percentile. This is last year's his down year. 96th percentile exit velocity. Barrel percentage. 80th percentile. All these are red. Hard hit percentage, 74th percentile. That's impressive. So so you're talking about a kid, a kid, a 24-year-old kid that's putting up these kind of measured statistics. He's one of the best kept secrets in the game. So one more guy I want to ask you about. Has Chapman fell that far down the draft list now? Chapman's a little tougher. You know I'm a big fan, right? I, I know. And uh, I know in playing in the past, it's a guy you've targeted. And so, so Chapman's in that tier. Chapman's in that second tier. I talked about it at 8 o'clock. Three guys that I love. I didn't get to talk to him a whole lot. So thanks for teeing this up for me. Um. The thing about Chapman, much like with Arenado, he played with a hip injury last year. For Arenado, it was his shoulder. For Chapman, he tore his labrum in his hip. That sounds painful, right? Yeah. And you'd think a, a power hitter generates a lot of power from his hips. So that said, he still was in the 99th percentile in hard hit rate. Excuse me. High, he was the sixth highest average exit velocity, the 99th percentile in hard hit rate. Average 99 miles per hour off the bat last year. With a bum hit, Randall. 
112. You're talking about a 10th round pick. What do you think I think? I think he's a guy I circled on my draft list. Yeah. Yeah. If you're talking about pure value in this tier, so you're talking Suarez at 79, you're talking Devers at 42, and you're talking Chapman at 112. Mankata's also in there. Mankata's another one of those guys. Really undervalued. Yeah. ADP of 88. Said he didn't feel normal until three weeks after the season last year. Played the entire year. Um, basically recovering from COVID. Said he couldn't catch his breath. He didn't have his strength. He's the one guy that had the biggest uh, – the, the draft list I use, he had the biggest spread as far as people having him at 6 to 11. Uh, I thought he was the one that, to me, had a, just a tremendous upside. Oh, yeah. And it seemed like there was a lot of opinions – it was either very positive or very negative on him. Yeah. And here, here's the thing about – and this is going to sound arrogant. This is this is what being a baseball guy you can pick up. What happened from 2018 to 2019? He moved from second base to third base. Right. Did you watch this kid play at third base much? No. Yoan Makata is a third baseman. He's comfortable there. He's at home there. He hits better when he's playing there. I have every bit of confidence that Mikata rebounds fully this year. He said, and I quote, I am fully recovered. I feel healthy. I can't wait, get, wait to get out there and play the game. That's what you want to hear. Yeah. At 88. Mankata's a steal. All of these guys are. All four of these guys are. I won't talk about 10 through 12 because I don't feel that way about Chris Bryant. I don't feel that way about Mustakas, and I don't feel that way about Muncie. But that Devers, Suarez, um, Chapman, and Mankata, that's my target. I want one if not two of those guys on my team. Fair enough. Sounds like we're in the both. Hey, this <laughs> is the most uh, I think we've ever been in the same territory. <laughs> I lo- I tell you, it's funny. I love talking. to This is my favorite time of year. We didn't even get to talk any college basketball. We'll have to do that next week. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, I just felt like we're getting closer. To the- we need to start talking about this baseball stuff. Um, I think it's good to kind of bounce ideas off of each other as we go through this. So I hope everybody enjoyed this. Randall, did you have fun? Oh, absolutely. I, and, you know, uh, I, I'm pre- prepping for my draft and using you as a resource. Just don't tell nobody. <laughs> you got to cite me, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to tell you, you've probably moved a couple of guys on my draft list to not. Well, and that's what it's all about. I tell the, I tell everybody this all the time. I love talking about this because – you know, um, I, I want everybody to come into the draft on the same page. I want to me, it's like playing chess. You don't play chess against someone who you're, you're clearly better than, right? Let's talk about this. Let's establish like some of the, you know, I, again, I, I'm 
willing to admit I'm wrong on a lot of stuff, but I think having these conversations, looking at data the way I do, I, I don't think many people do that in this game. Uh, you know, and, and I have to admit, I, I come at it differently. Uh, and especially in football, we've talked about it. I'm a feel guy. Right. I really try to feel things through. Um, and I can tell you but that at third base, I kind of came, except for Devers, I kind of came. My sweet spot is tier two. And I, I had targeted, hey, I'd like to get two of these guys yeah. and look where I can get them. Because, yeah. you know, most leagues you're going to play a corner interfielder. And I was just like, okay, if I spend this draft capital at first to come away with this this exceptional first baseman, I might be able to steal a couple guys and, you know, around 100 at third to fill a utility spot or a corner infield spot for me. So, uh, yeah. The, 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 so we'll get to this later, but th this will be our closing point. The reason why I like these guys in this 80 to 120 range, it allows you to free up capital to spend money on premium pitching. Yeah. Pitching is a premium this year. You have to spend your money there on the front end. If not, you're going to be behind. Yeah. So, so to me, why spend a first-round pick on Freddie Freeman or Manny Machado or Nolan Arenado or any of those guys, right, when you can go out and you get a, a um, Garrett Cole or you can get a Justin Bieber or you can get a Justin Shane Bieber, you get a, a Trevor Bauer, <laughs> right? You can get one of those elite pitchers and set yourself up from that pitching perspective right off the bat. And be unique. Be yeah. unique. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have a strategy when it comes to pitching that's different than everybody else. And I feel like every time I draft a position player, I need to go out and draft a pitcher. Uh, and this year, I've actually made a note for myself in the first six rounds. It's okay to come out with just two position players in the first six rounds. You know, in years past, that would be a minimum of three. So I'm with you. And uh, people... Uh, the guys that are in my level, maybe sometimes the guys that are, are just getting back into it, they make the mistake of spending all that revenue and all that draft capital. Wasting it. Yeah, on, on some infielders or, you know, I, for me, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you my draft strategy now. I want a high-value second baseman, a high-value shortstop, and I want a ton of pitching early. And that's going to be my draft. Uh, I'm not going to push it. And if somebody falls to you, you always take them. If you could get the fourth most valuable player at pick 10, you take him no matter. But yeah, I really, absolutely. really would like to come out with a great middle infield and some great pitching this year. I want stolen bases and home runs. Don't care where I get them. I don't. I want when I pick high. I want those two, and I don't want to sacrifice average. That's what yeah. I'm looking at. Really. Give me a high home run or a high stolen base guy that's going to give me a high average, and let me build from that. Yep, I'm gonna follow you. All right, man. All right, brother. Have I'm gonna fun. Go put a, I'm gonna go put a child down. She's sitting down here in the hallway looking at me with like, <laughs> "Daddy, are we going to bed?" So, yeah, I'll talk. Well, to let's you do later. it. Let's do it again next week. Next week we'll get back into some ba college basketball talk. We'll start ironing out some of this March Madness stuff. 
Um, of course, we'll talk some more baseball. We'll start talking about some middle infield stuff. And, of course, you know, the football stuff's going to be ongoing. So um, March 14th, the biggest bracket show ever coming to your network. Can't wait. It's running up on us pretty quick, isn't it? It is. It is. We got to get ready for it. You know it. Uh, any plugs? Uh, just just that. Uh, okay. Bracket Buster on Draft for the Upside, the D. Swain and B-Low Show, Chappie's Fantasy Sports, the Marion Messenger. There's about five different sites going to have this show. But join Love us, it. and we are going to – we're going to give some people – people are going to make money off of us that <laughs> night because <laughs> you're going to win your bracket challenge by listening to us. Yeah. Hard work is working hard, huh? Yes, sir. Awesome. Chaps Fantasy Chat, Thursday nights at 8. OA, the other angle, Thursday nights at 10. Draft for Upside, iLogic Media. Thanks for joining us, guys. Let's do it again next weekend, Randall. Yes, sir. We'll All see right, you guys. Then. Take care.